Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. There are so many ways to save at your friendly neighborhood Safeway. And now save even more with over 5,000 lower prices on the things you buy most. Save big on bananas. Right now they're just 49 cents a pound. 32 packs of refresh water, 16.9 ounce bottles are only $2.99 plus CRV. And selected varieties of 30 pack Coors, Budweiser, Miller, or Tecate 12 ounce cans are just $18.99 plus CRV with your club card. Safeway, come in and explore. SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to SEN's MLB Podcast for this week. We're going to take a look at, of course, MLB standings as they are right now. We're now getting to the last part of the season leading into the big push for the playoffs. There's been a couple of Incredible performances this week. Big news on the Australian front with a new signing for the Atlanta Braves. Another guy from down your neck of the woods, JC. I'll get to you in a moment. Mm. And outstanding pitching performance. Mm. And we've got a nice chat with uh, Australia's Baseball Australia's new high-performance director in Glenn Williams. But first, let me introduce the man behind the microphone. Joining me today is JC Justin Charles. Hey, how you going, Fritter? Going beautifully, mate. Look, we're going to get into it now because there's uh, plenty to talk about this lots, week. Of lots course, to talk about. First and foremost, of course, we're going to go to the American League where everything starts in the American League. Absolutely. And, geez, we've, it's been really exciting the last week. Uh, nothing much happening the week before, but then uh, that was before the trade deadline happened. And then we've seen teams uh, bolster their lineups, and, and there's been uh, a lot of exciting performances from those players that have been traded. Yep. Um, a lot of excitement being generated within those lineups. So we'll get straight into it with the American League East. We've got the Yankees traveling very nicely, followed by Toronto, Baltimore, Tampa Bay and Boston. But the big news there is Toronto Blue Jays have been on an absolute tear. Uh, They've won the last eight out of ten games. Um, Troy Tulowitzki has really made an impact there. Absolutely. He's been phenomenal for that team. I think he's gone, in while he's been in the starting lineup, 8-0, just in the in the games that he's played with, uh, with Toronto, but they're on an absolute tear right now. It's an amazing when you add a real quality player into the lineup uh, and, and the players... Uh, really feel supported by management that they're, they're really making a push and really they were right now they're knocking right on the door and adding price to that lineup as well. Start David Price, an ace in any other lineup, you know he's been phenomenal. And his first start with the with the Blue Jays was just unbelievable. Really, he, he pitched eight innings for for one run, three hits over over eight innings. Uh, just a wonderful start. Um, Can but, I just just while we're still, we're going to also keep a close eye on Toronto as the season pans along because Australia's own Liam Hendricks is part of the bullpen there with Toronto. So we're really going to focus 
on them a little bit. You know, let's push for him to get into the playoffs. It's really, really looking forward to Liam. Really exciting, Fritter. Um, really exciting for Toronto. And as we run an eye across what they've got ahead of them, um, they start a three-game set against the Yankees. So a real chance for them to, to catch up a couple of games. Really love to see them go two out of three. They've been up for a long time. So history would sort of say that they're due for a bit of a... Uh, bit of a, a downward patch but um, you know playing the Yankees and I think they've got them another uh, I think they've got another six or seven games versus the Yankees in the next 40 games um, the Yankees do have a very good run home they've got 31 games at home over the next 40 games and the Blue Jays have only got 28 however the Blue Jays and the Yankees are going to be playing against each other. So they're really four-point games, the points that you get and the ones that they don't get. Yeah. Um, so that we'll, be, we'll keep a very close eye on there. But right now, they've got, uh, they're have got they playing really exciting baseball. Um, you know, to see Troy Tulowitzki, Donaldson, Bautista, Encarnacion, probably the best four hitters, hot as you like at the moment, generating a lot of runs, yeah. making it really easy for their pitching staff right now. So um, really exciting to watch there. Moving to the central, we've got Kansas City Royals, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago White Sox, and Cleveland. Kansas City, uh, they actually got beaten by Toronto uh, two out of three, which that hasn't happened in a while. And we're going to be talking about uh, pitching inside and, and hitters being hit by pitch balls yep. uh, in, a, in a later segment. But um, they got their feathers a little bit ruffled the other day uh, playing Toronto, and, and uh, we'll go more into that now. But it's I, I actually don't really like the Royals too much. Sorry to really? offend the uh, the Royals. Uh, yeah, I just don't like the you way they play. You have teams you love, and you ha- I love them all. They play unsocial. They're the Hawthorne of, uh, of, of Major League Baseball. They, right. they You know, they... Uh, you know, they they, they they're just unsociable, you know. Yeah. They they hit batters and uh, you know they play very. There was a couple of bench clearers during oh, the week. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be talking about that later. Okay, my we, bad. We I'll are going to be talking. Jump the gun. Sorry, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll we will get to that, get to that later. Uh, Minnesota, they've been on a bit of a skid. They got swept by uh, the said Blue Jays. Yep. Um, you know, so you know they're still in the uh, in the mix for for the wild card. Nine and a half games back uh, on the Kansas City Royals. Uh, yep. But uh, still in the hunt for for a wild card berth. Um, then moving to the West, uh, the American League West, we've got Houston, uh, Los Angeles Angels, Texas, who are making a move. They've been hot. Uh, they've won seven out of their last ten games, which is um, you know, and really making a move. Now in the wild card, in terms of the wild card, they've really made a move. So they've jumped up three or four spots um, since last week. Yeah. So they're on an absolute tear at the moment. So um, you know we were talking about you know some of the moves that they've made. Um, uh, and and it's starting to pay off. Yeah, and it's amazing that when you add some good players to the list, you know the other players start to get inspired and and really feel supported by management and um, really start to reel off a few good wins. Um, and Seattle and Oakland bringing up the rear there. Um, so moving to the National League, which is really exciting as well. We yeah, have the big one. story. Like yeah, the, yeah, big, the big story is the New York Mets uh, have taken over from the Washington Nationals in first place for the first time in a long while. And, uh, and I think it's the first time in my lifetime. And I do have a, a young friend, Curtis Smith, is a friend of mine, young fan. And, and, he, and I know he's he wants to... Sp- Splash a little of his pocket money. <laughs> well, I reckon that's not a bad. That's not a bad Because he likes bet. them. He loves the Mets. So I know he's out raking the leaves and mowing the lawns and doing the edges. He wants a little bit of pocket money because he really fancies the Mets this year. I like the way they're playing. You know, Lucas Duda has really been a, a, a spark plug for them. Last week we were talking about A Rod hitting his sixty third. Uh, 
a multi-home run game. And uh, I made mention that Lucas Duda hit his first three-home run game, and then you quite... Uh, uh, I thought arrogantly equipped me with uh, with uh, he's only got 62 to catch up. Well, since then, yes. Lucas Duda has had five multi home run games wow. um, in in the last week. Wow! Um, and uh, he's just been absolutely on fire. He's been wow. a real spark plug for them. Adding Yoenna Cespedes into that lineup has yeah. been a, a real catalyst for them. Um, and it's just they've just been exciting to watch. And um, you know, Washington. With all that starting pitching, um, now they've traded for Jonathan Papelbon, yeah. um, and you know they've uh, they've only won four out of their last ten games. So, on a little bit of a skid there. So it's going to be really exciting to watch. I think the Washington Nationals, if they don't win the East, they'll certainly get into the, uh, one of the wild card wild spots. Card spot, yeah. They're really well poised there. Uh, a lot of experience in their starting pitching there. Okay, so followed by Atlanta, Miami, and Philadelphia, bringing up the rear there. Uh, moving to the central, the all-conquering St. Louis Cardinals keep uh, banging away there. There's um, some phenomenal numbers on the Cardinals. We're not just going to gloss over this. They're currently, at this stage of the season, 30 games over 500. They're like, 500 is a bit of a benchmark to get into correct, playoffs. Correct. They're 30 games above 500, and a team ERA of 2.63. That's the team ERA. That, they are incredible numbers from the all-conquering St. Louis Cardinals. Absolutely. I mean, they're just a wonderful, a wonderful organization and, and, and great value if you're a, a Cardinals uh, follower. Um, and, and, Arguably, the National League Central is the toughest, uh, you know, the toughest division in, in yep. baseball right now. I mean, yep. you know, you've got the Cincinnati Reds who are sitting second last, but they're uh, they're only a, a handful of games off 500 themselves. So um, we've got Pittsburgh traveling very nicely. Um, the Chicago Cubs in contention for the playoffs for the first time in a very long time. Yep. Um, and my favorite manager too, Joe Madden. He's just the coolest guy in baseball. He's really yes. present. Uh, he really uh, can handle. Everyone from the veterans right through, uh, you know, to the to the rookies, um, he really has a lovely understanding of the game and and uh, a real a real nice day to day attitude, and he's able to put things in perspective. and It's a real highlight for me on a daily basis to hear his comments after the game. You know, the yeah, way right. he analyzes yeah. the game, and um, I can feel I could sense that he'd be a, a really steady influence on his on the on the young players. And there's no surprises that they're you know they're. Well, they're fighting right now with uh, with San Francisco for that uh, for that second wild card spot, and uh, would it be great to see them? Jumped them just yesterday, I think, in in that wild card spot. But well, they was, beat they beat the they beat the mighty Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, a hardened veteran, really good team in the San Francisco Giants, and, and they beat them. So. It was a it was a conscious decision. You could see a conscious decision from the Cubs to get Joe Madden to go for Theo Epstein. These guys had won other places they'd been in. They wanted to bring that back to Chicago. So they've gone out and brought this culture to the club. Virtually See, overnight. It seems to be paying off right now. Virtually overnight. And the fish stinks from the head down. <laughs> Does <laughs> so, it? <laughs> well, what that means is that if you put the right guys making the decisions at the top, means that the fish filters... Is fresh. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> the fish is fresh, and what that results in is performance. Performance. I'm with so, you. I understand where you're coming from. But but you put the right guys in at the top, and and you get the right guys around you, yep. and the right guys pushing the buttons, and and uh, all of a sudden the results sort of take care of themselves. And you know we're seeing that with uh, the Houston Astros too, sort of last from last to first. Yeah. Um. You know, it, you just. I mean, it's a formula. 
and and these guys are experts in the formula. They've done it for many many years, and they understand what it takes to you know to be successful. So and, and the pieces of the puzzle, of course, are the players. They need so of they've, they've put, brought in a nice bunch of players who all relate, play well, and work hard together. And as I say, it's really showing on the scoreboard now for the Cubs. Correct. So we've got uh, so behind the Pittsburgh Pirates is the Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee bringing up the rear there. And then we move to the West, which is also a, a an exciting division. We've got the Dodgers still out in front there, um, closely followed by the Giants. Uh, we've got Arizona, San Diego, and Colorado there. Now, with the Dodgers, they've got uh, the Dodgers have a very lovely run home. Okay, in the next forty forty games, but I don't think they, when Zach Grinky pitches, they only need a pitcher and a catcher. They might as well take the rest of the team off the field. <laughs> He goes. Did you see he went three for three, three, three <laughs> with a bomb and, and and hits a long home run. It was a long home run. A long home run. Did you see the bat flip? Too? Exit and bat flip and <laughs> exit velocities and all uh, the ho- what incredible. He's having a tremendous year and of course really throwing the ball well. But to, for pitchers to go out and go three for with a with a home run, a phenomenal performance from Zach Krenke and and of course the Dodgers uh, leading the way over San Francisco. Absolutely, and the and the the, the Giants they're right on their hammer. Um, you you never underestimate them at this time of the year. Yeah, sure. Um, and they've got some great pitching, and uh, they find a way to win. You know, they just find a way to win, and uh, they're experienced. They've been there, you know, many times before, and they know what's required. That's Bruce Bochy with the biggest head in baseball. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, Spearsy says. Spears, that's, <laughs> that's the biggest head in baseball. I, I was going for an original gag, but uh, now I borrowed it off Russell Spear. The biggest head in baseball, Bruce Bochy. Right. And uh, so then we've got the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks, followed by San Diego and Colorado there. So uh, just looking at the draw, um, you know, the, the, the Rangers um, uh, in the American League, you know, they're only five games behind Houston now with a really good run home. Uh, the Angels have the most difficult run home. So, you know, after leading, well, being right in the mix all year long, they could actually miss out. Which yeah, is right. yeah. which you know, which would be a real shock yeah. um, to, to their followers because uh, they've led the way for so long, uh, or been right up there for so long. Um, so it's really interesting. I can't wait to see how that all is all going to pan out in the last month. Stay tuned. Absolutely, the the, the way it all, as you say, the last part of this season coming into playoffs. Really uh, keep an eye on what's going on. Also, some tremendous performances happened. During the week, we're going to just throw a, a quick eye across. Nelson Cruz had a home run in five straight games. It's the second time this season he's done it. A home run in five straight games. That's phenomenal hitting from from Nelson Cruz. It's only happened a couple of times in the past, so four times in the past. Harmon Killebrew did it. Frank Thomas, the great Barry Bonds, and Chase Utley more recently with the other guys that have done that. That's five straight games with a home run. He's done it twice this season. Adrian Beltre is another one that I want to look at from the Texas Rangers. Became the fourth player in history to hit three career cycles. Have you ever hit for a cycle? JC, not ever. I think well, maybe once in under thirteens. <laughs> I got I got close. I got close one. I missed out on the triple. You you've known me for a while. I was but you're a, unfortunately <laughs> blessed with incredible speed, so I missed out on the triple. I also missed out on the home run. So I got close this particular day, but the double eluded me. Also, I think I came out one for five or something like that. I got a single. But it's about as close as I've been to a cycle. But having three career cycles at the major league levels, a phenomenal performance 
from Adrian Beltre. And the other one I just wanted to touch on there for quickly was, uh, many of you won't know this name, Mike Hessman is his name, from the Toledo Mudhens, the Tigers organisation, broke the minor league record for home runs. This is Bull Durham. If you haven't seen the movie Bull Durham, go and check it out because Mike Hessman this year broke a 79-year-old minor league home run record. He hit his 433rd minor league home run, broke the record of Buzz Allert way back. Uh, math says 79 years ago from today, Buzz Alert did that. But for Mike, he's the real live Crash Davis. That's that's what I'm sort of mean. That's incredible for Mike. Hesman. Did he hang him up? Did he hit his dinger and hang him up? No, I think he's still go back to Annie's house. Still and... pecking away. <laughs> but what he is doing, he he did take a year off to play over in Asia. Uh, he had some time off with injuries. He spent some time at the big leagues. So this guy has really, really perseverance is amazing. Did he play in, a, in the ABL? At any stage? Mike Hessman, no, that he hasn't been out here in the ABL. No, he played for the Tigers at the big league level. But a 79-year-old minor league home run record has been broken just this week by Mike Hessman of the Toledo Mudhens. Before we go any further, JC, break time. We've had enough of uh, pro <laughs> stuff. After this, we're going to come back with uh, some exciting news on the Australian front. But first, a word about our sponsors. Celex Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enables projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped bayside facility. Celex Recoding Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoating Service offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigeration components and parts. And welcome back to SEN's MLB podcast. Uh, we're now going to take a look at some of the Aussies heading, who are over there at the moment, sorry, heading to the United States. A big signing this week for the Atlanta Braves is young John Kennedy from the Waverley Baseball Club, all six foot nine of him. Six foot nine. Six foot nine. Some of you may remember him from some appearances out with uh, the Melbourne Aces in the Australian Baseball League. Um, now, Charlesy, this is this is an area that you've probably had more experience in than I, and I mean this with the utmost respect. <laughs> You're a fairly tall guy. Right, so with John, I'm not six Ken- foot nine, not six nine, <laughs> but you would have had some of the similar kind of. It's a similar area that when you're say sixteen or seventeen and maybe hitting six two six three, your body hasn't quite developed in an area yet. Sure. Now, now John Kennedy be sitting I'm at, still waiting to develop. Well, at forty four, when you're three <laughs> foot tall, but I developed when I was eight. With, with John. He's now in the 2021 range and having uh, probably hit the gym and worked out as he has, now throwing the ball quite well. I believe his velocity is at around the 87, 88 mile an hour mark. But now having grown into his body, great signing for the Braves, young John Kennedy. Look, six foot nine, left-handed pitcher. I think that really goes in his favour. Um, at 21 years of age, 21, 22 years of age, there is no way that he's not going to be anywhere near his physical prime. 
Yeah. Not anywhere near. And probably still won't not. be. Still not. You're saying still not? Still not. Nowhere yeah. near. And, yeah. and here's, uh, and, the, and the taller guy, and I was one of them. It's actually a good point because I really didn't hit my physical prime until mid to late 20s. Yeah, right. Um, and you start to get your adult strength then. Yeah. Um, but it's still, now that was on the back of like a decade of uh, pre-seasons at, at an AFL level. Yeah. You know, lifting weights and running and, and conditioning, you know, strength and conditioning at a professional level for over a decade. And then all of a sudden your body starts to blossom. So you're right that the bigger guys tend to develop later. So he's got an exciting career ahead of him. I mean, if Absolutely. he can stay healthy, he's just got to stay healthy. Um, at six foot nine and left-handed, when he hits around the 26, 27, 28 years of age mark, he's going to be dynamic. And if he can stay healthy, keep his shoulder and elbow in, in good nick, um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. It's going to be like already, I believe, that, uh, you know, John Deeble is saying that, um, you know, the guys that he's pitching against right now are really struggling to square him up. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's and, he's and, hard to hit. And he's, I'll just clear the squaring up is actually getting the, the hitting the ball flush. Yeah, hitting yep, the, the hitters hitting are, the ball are struggling. The the are struggling to hit the ball flush from from uh, from Kennedy's deliveries. And um, he that, was he was likened to Chris Sale with the Chicago White Sox was a name that he likened him that's to. A, well, that's another thing too. And, and he he will like Chris Sale if as we know in in Major League Baseball he's got that angular sort of funky sort of delivery. It's not smooth. It's not rhythmical. And uh, but then it comes in at like ninety seven miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> John's not quite there yet. No, but. no, but but that that angular sort of um, herky jerky kind of motion is really off putting to to a hitter. Um, but but certainly too, he's uh, another factor to to take into consideration when you're six foot nine is your coordination. Yeah. So right. so your core strength, um, and he's not going to get that. Um, his full coordination, his full adult strength until he's that mid to late twenties. Uh, so I think that's a really good signing. It's really exciting. So the nephew of Phil Dale. Yes. Um, um, you know, so he comes from good good stock, yep. um, and he's got a really exciting. I'm going to really keep a close eye on this kid because I, I think he's um, he's a real chance. There's, uh, there were, I know there were a number of teams were circling on John Kennedy, but the Braves ended up getting the uh, the signature in an area you just touched on there. A lot of this scouting caper. You've got to project. Projecting. Yep. They're projecting where this young man may be in five, six, seven years' time. They're hoping that five, six, seven years of development, like you say, with hitting the gym under instruction from major league coaches and managers and the like, they really hope that he'll develop into something Look, later on down the track. Absolutely. And, and you know what? At a $10,000 investment, I think this is one of the potential massive signings because, you know, the value, uh, the upside is massive. If he had it, I mean, he was never going to get, uh, and and the international draft rules have now been adjusted, but you can't spend a whole lot of money. There's a cap on the amount of money that you can spend on Yeah, we're going to actually prospects. have a segment on that later on one, okay. of, a, one of the shows down the track, just because <laughs> it's a we, very we, involved area. I know, we have we both have to study those we because they're very study. involved. Yeah, we'll get Clubby on it. Clubby will, Clubby will walk us yeah. through it. Well, get him to read it, and then he can like pick Translate. out all the points. Yeah, Translate. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but certainly for a ten thousand dollars, which isn't a lot of money, yeah, um, of course. But the kid gets his shot, yeah. and uh, and look, we're not going to see the fruits of that for you know for a long time. But he's got a real opportunity here. But you know, for a club to to shell out ten thousand dollars, and um, I do believe there's a there's an education uh, component, Com- component on that, to, which yeah. is important if you value education. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> some do, <laughs> some do, some do. <laughs> It's never most, been my strong point. Most of us don't. Yeah. Never been my strong point. Yeah, I speak good English, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what do you say, Clubby? But uh, but uh, so you know, I, I think uh, the investment that they've um, they've put in this kid, the upside is is massive. So, but moving on. Sam Gibbons, my boy Sam Gibbons from uh, from the Baycats in Geelong, yes, picked his first see. complete game shutout. Yeah. Unbelievable! What a fantastic performance! Absolutely led to him being named midweek, uh, mid midweek, <laughs> midweek. He got named as the Midwest Player of the Week. When I first saw it, it said NWBL. I thought, hang on, Gibbons is back here pitching in the Melbourne yeah, Winter League. What's yeah, going on? Right. The Midwest League Pitcher of the Week, um, and he's got twenty one point two scoreless innings going at the moment, which is a great little streak for Sam. And uh, I saw his last strike out there on the highlights, and that was a disgusting breaking ball to a left-hander in the dirt. Um, struck him out, and for the complete game, shut out. He was, when looking over my notes, he was the one that, I know over previous shows, we've talked about people developing their bodies. Now, He's Sam, another one. Yeah, I know we've talked in reference to Sam, and that's what made me think of young John Kenny. Sam's not that kind of height. I think Sam might be about the 6'2", 6'3", area. 6'2", 6'3", yeah. Around there. But it took a while for his body to develop, and we're seeing the fruits of his labour right now. This is the same sort of, hopefully the same sort of perseverance can go into John Kennedy, and you'll see the the, uh, perseverance will pay off down the track. Well, I'm going to say more. He, the, that more perseverance is going to have to go in uh, uh, into Kennedy. But Sam Gibbons is in exactly the same boat. He's not going to reap the full value of his physicality until he's post-mid-20s. In his mid to late 20s, that's when we're going to see the best of Sam. So hopefully, you know, and we, we pray for him that his shoulder and his elbow stays healthy because um, as he develops, he's just going to be throwing um, harder and with more control. Um, and you know the way he's developed, he's he's breaking ball that late movement that we speak about. You know, in that last third, yeah. it's you know there's a lot of action that happens on his breaking ball in the last third of the journey. It's very difficult to hit if you're a right hander or a left hander. Yeah, and no, so great news for uh, Sam Gibbs. Really, really uh, relishing oh, so proud. Pl- pitching at that higher level. He's really come on leaps and bounds. The other next one we're going to take a look at is Tim Atherton, Australian kid over there. In the United States, he's with with the Double uh, A level with the Oakland A's, the Midland Rockhounds is the team he's pitching for this year. Currently, his um, his numbers are five and four with a four point one ERA in eighteen appearances for the Oakland A's at the Double A level. Um, he struck out fifty five, so his numbers are good per inning, per strikeouts. His numbers are good on the strikeout level. He's been Throwing the ball quite well has um, has Tim Atherton. Another one we're going to look at also is young Logan Wade from up Queensland. Just before you move on yeah, sure. with with Tim, um, you know at Double A level, this the, it is they're they're not playing with major league defense, so you know he could be making his pitches, and you know the defense is not. Um, you know, playing all that well behind him, you know, all sorts of things. So they'll be looking at, at the process on, on how he's getting his outs and, you know, is he locating his pitches? Um, you know, so at the double A level, he's not far away. Yep, absolutely. Um, Logan Wade, I just mentioned his father was a uh, all-time legend of Australian baseball, Gary Wade from up Queensland Way. He used to be a scout for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. He's no longer with them, but uh, travels around during the Australian Baseball League following his son, plays middle infield up there for Brisbane. He, um, young Logan is uh, where's, he's with the Twins. He fought Myers Miracle at uh, the high A level. 
uh, A plus. He's uh, played sixty eight games. He's currently hitting two thirty five. Only the three home runs, so not a huge amount of power at this stage, but only 68 games, as mentioned. Uh, he's knocked in 22, 22 RBIs, drawn 14 walks, and he had a nine-game hit streak going last week during that stretch of a nine-game hit streak. He hit 366 with five RBIs during that time. So young Logan Wade is another Australian uh, advancing through the ranks up there with the uh, Fort Myers Miracle, the Minnesota Twins. And uh, look, we hitting around two thirty-two in uh, in the Florida State League. It's a very strong competition. Make no mistake about it. Um, however, hitting two thirty-two, and we spoke about James Beresford. What the the factors that could be keeping him out of a major league spot? Yep. Same factors could be keeping you know well Logan Wade at a uh, at a level from advancing if he doesn't start developing some power or actually hitting for higher average and, you know, a higher on-base percentage and stealing some bases. So you've got to have that uh, that offensive generation yep. in some way. You, you know, you don't have to be hitting 400, and, although it helps. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> obviously, it helps. Obviously, it will help, but, but uh, you've got to be contributing offensively in some way. And if you're not getting on base, you know, at least at a three or 400 clip, um, you know, with, a, with an average of, of above 280, you need to be hitting home runs and, and generating RBIs. Yep. So, you know, he's going to need to, you know, develop that. You know, to move forward. Absolutely. Uh, another one that we we did touch on last week, and we'll just gloss over this one. But Warwick Southpole was was uh, promoted last week to through the Tigers organisation at the AAA level. Just had the one start there, ended up taking the loss, but he has now been uh, put back to the AA level with the uh, Tigers. Is Warwick Southpole, and is a, an interesting one that just popped into my mind. Uh, I believe today, we're going to have to research this one, get clubby on this one, but Mitch Denning, who we talked about last week over in Japan, might be facing up against Drew Naylor. Drew Naylor, another Australian kid over in Japan. Not sure if an Australian has ever faced an Australian in the Japan professional leagues. So Drew Naylor pitching over in Japan might be facing uh, uh, Mitch Denning for the Yakut Swallows over there. The Yakut Swallows? In the Japanese... (laughs) professional leagues you know Andrew Swallow and they should go and sponsor the team or something but Charles we're, we're moving on stop waving your hands at me we're moving I'm, on what I, moving. I just wanted to say about Warwick I think Warwick's Alpold you know that that brief look at Triple uh, A is going to put him in really good stead because once you go up yep. you know once you get expanded you get you, you get a look at the higher level I think it puts you in better stead for when you come back down you know that you get a bit of a sniff you know what's you know it, it might be a bit much for you yeah. you know to start with but then coming back down you're a different player. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on him over the next couple of weeks and, and see how Warwick uh, Southpole goes over those next couple of weeks and see if he can't get back up there before the, before the end of the season. Sure thing. Absolutely follow him closely. But an area you want to talk about was mm. there's an area uh-huh. that, that really you've got some notes. You've got some notes. <laughs> so this is pitching inside to hitters. Right? So you just explain your your theory and what you're talking about here. Well, we've only got two minutes, so <laughs> this is well, just gloss over it now. Because <laughs> or is that two seconds? <laughs> it's, it's going to be a future segment. But okay. This is just gloss over. Okay. The, the, you can't talk about this in two minutes. Trust me. There's DVDs and all sorts of things. So, what what, what do you mean? Okay, so this week we saw a couple of bench clearing. Uh, 
altercations with uh, pitchers throwing inside and batters getting hit. We saw uh, the Blue Jays versus the Royals. Uh, Donaldson got hit by Edison Volquez uh, in the first inning and then uh, get got buzzed again up and in um, and wasn't warned um, or wasn't thrown out of the game. Um, and then later on in the game, uh, Ryan Madsen of the of uh, of uh, the Royals hits. Troy Tulowitzki uh, didn't get ejected. Then Aaron Sanchez hits Alcides Escobar. Um, so Aaron Sanchez of the Blue Jays hits Alcides Escobar, clearly trying to square up the ledger, and then he gets ejected. Um, we just see the inequity there. And uh, j- just my thoughts on that. Now, major league hitters, of course, you know, we're guys generating a lot of uh, runs. Um, you know, they are going to dive, what we call diving to the outside of the plate to, yep. to make sure that they don't get burnt on the outside corner. The pitchers throwing away. Okay, so the pitchers have to throw inside, and and hitters are gonna, batters are going to get hit. Okay, and and it, you can't get too precious about that. However, it's the deliberate and uh, intimidating and purposeful hitting of of batters is that I don't agree with, and yep. I think right now the Royals, and this is why I hate them, is because. They play that unsociable type of baseball. They they try and intimidate hitters. They throw at them, and then they whine and carry on when they get hit as well. So uh, I whine one up when <laughs> I get hit too. Now, on the other hand, we've got we've got the the classic case of pitching inside for effect, and and two teams that have done it over many years, the Pirates and the Reds, and they've got a good rivalry there. Um, you know, we saw a bench, benches clearing there, but they're constantly hitting each other um, because they're pitching in. Yep. And you can tell the difference between a pitcher that's actually throwing at a hitter and and the one that just gets away. He's he's aiming in and yep. it just gets away from the pitcher. So, yep. hopefully, uh, over the next couple of weeks, we get to explore this uh, subject. Uh, we, there's in a more lot depth. in this, and, and there's we'll, a lot in it. Absolutely, there's a whole segment in this area. Probably do a whole show on it. But um, for now. We understand where you're coming from. Just this week happened to raise the topic with a couple yep. of bench clearers. But uh, we'll do some research and get to that over the next coming weeks. But uh, before that, we've got to go to a break. Sorry, the sponsors come oh. first. JC, they come oh. first. Hold those thoughts. I just wanted to say about the umpire's interpretation of it too. They've just got to get a grasp of the game too, I think, at all levels. Oh, that's another topic. The robot (laughs) that is now umpiring games. There's one for you. But we've got to go to a break, so stick with us. Is it Peter Eckhart's got a job? Uh, (laughs) Robot. We've got, to Sorry, go, Pete. we've got to go to a break, so joking, stick, stick with us. Uh, you're listening to SEN's MLB podcast. Selix Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enable projects of any size to be coded either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Selix Recoding Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selixrecoatingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. Welcome back to the show. We're uh, now going to go to our next guest, thanks to the Australian baseball alumni, a former Minnesota Twins, and now just been promoted to Head of High Performance for Baseball Australia, Glenn Williams. Glenn, uh, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, um, the new High Performance Director there at Baseball Australia is a position that, that has you just have been promoted to. Can you just define the role of the High Performance Director there with Baseball Australia? 
Um, yeah, I've, I've been recently put into the role here, which I'm excited about, um, coming from New South Wales as a high-performance manager down there, and, and it's you know something that's probably um, a little bit long overdue with um, you know someone being kind of heading it up from a national program and, and just coordinating um, the efforts of the guys who work really hard around the country to, to try and develop players. So, um, yeah, the, I guess defining the role would be um, you know coordinating and looking after the Major League Baseball Australian Academy program, looking after national teams, uh, looking after the state academy programs, and kind of working behind the scenes a little bit just to make sure that we're that we're coordinating in our delivery and uh, we're delivering programs that are going to help the national team have better success and. Better success for the national team uh, means more funding and, and more programs that can be rolled out across the country. Fantastic, mate. Um, Glenn, it was big news when you got signed. Um, it was, uh, look, a, a big deal. It was over over a million dollars when you got signed. Um, and uh, when you broke into the big leagues, it was, you know, very exciting for all of us back in Australia. A 13-game hitting streak in the first 13 games. Um, then you got injured hurt your shoulder I believe from memory what actually happened because it it appeared like you never played again um yeah I actually um yeah 2005 I'd I'd kind of worked my way through the minor leagues 11 and a half years to be able to get there so um for me getting to the major leagues was um a fair bit of a relief Mm. and uh you know something that I've kind of inspired to my whole whole career and and you know my whole life to be honest and mm-hmm. uh, got up there and and you know was going well and you know nothing could be better of getting plenty of hits and you know playing well and and you know kind of earned myself a, a starting spot um, you know for that time in in the season and the Twins were struggling a little bit so a few injuries and and that that provided an opportunity for me and I hurt my shoulder and and tried to rehab it the rest of the season but uh, when they went in again for a second MRI and I ended up having surgery in September they found. Um, a fair bit of damage in there and, and they fixed it up and I came home for the off-season and, and rehabbed it and, and went into spring training, played in the first World Baseball Classic and then ended up playing in 2006 and 2007 in A with the Twins. But, you know, after that, playing on the national team, um, you know, was something that, that I continued to do and in 2008 when we didn't qualify for the Olympics, went to the Olympic qualifier in Taiwan and uh, we didn't qualify. So for me, that was uh, when I kind of pulled up stumps and um, settled back in Sydney. And, and yeah, about, I don't know, eight or, eight or ten months later, I started with baseball in New South Wales. So fortunate to be one of the guys who's, who's spent his entire working career in baseball. Willow, nice segue to baseball New South Wales. The skills that you have brought to the high-performance area there at baseball New South Wales, and I'll just premise this question with... There was a recent uh, Little League tournament not so long ago that Cronulla Baseball Club ended up winning. And the reports that we got down here in Victoria were Cronulla were, were in a way, head and shoulders above everybody else. They were really well-developed, well-skilled and well-drilled. What sort of skills have you put into Baseball New South Wales that you will now bring to Baseball Australia? Um, yeah, well, Cronulla had an excellent tournament and, and we had a couple of other teams that, are, that have come there, but um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to take the credit for those guys. They, they've got some you know, brilliant coaching staffs who get out there and um, that are really driving programs. And Darren Fullerton, who's their head coach, um, is an ex-ABL player and, and you know, Gary White goes down and helps those guys out. So they've, they've got some fantastic coaches and um, you know, all across you know, Sydney and, and Ride's got Matt O'Neill, who's an ex-college guy and Brian Murphy coaches Manly, so we've got a really high quality um, coaches that working with the little league teams, and, and they actually you know work with each other and and you know set up practice games and um, yeah they, they they work really really hard. So definitely not going to take any credit 
you know, for those guys. But I think that, um, you know, what I'll take from base for New South Wales is, is probably an understanding of, um, you know, the difficulties and, and the constraints that the high-performance managers have around the country. And everyone's in a different position. Everyone's got, you know, like more or less athletes to work with. They've got um, travel constraints. They've got weather to deal with. They've got a lot of different things there. So probably an understanding of, of you know, kind of how difficult it is to be able to, um, you know, spend four or five nights on the field uh, late at night and you know, spending weekends away and, and all those kind of things. So probably a, a, an understanding of what it takes at the grassroots to, to um, or at the coalface to be able to kind of deliver programs and everything. So um, doing that and, and then, you know, just trying to take the experience that I've had there and, and you know, it's, it's a huge learning curve for me when I first started. It was my first um, real job, so to speak, and, you know, dealing with young people and their parents is, you know, sometimes challenging, but, um, you know, it's also very, very rewarding. So, um, yeah, learn, learn on my feet a little bit. It was a steep learning curve. And, and, you know, I think that the skills that I've learned there, um, you know, dealing with athletes and, and making sure that, um, you know, everything is kind of building towards national team uh, results and making sure the national team is successful. And you know, that means, you know, getting players into college and, and you know, having them get developed into college, getting players into professional baseball, uh, making sure that our national team is competitive and our kids, when they're in programs, they're preparing um, to be world champions. Fantastic, mate. Now, speaking of uh, developing young talent, so we've got the uh, uh, the under eighteen uh, Australian team going away to the uh, to Japan very very soon this month. Um, now we know, uh, and this isn't to put you on the spot, mate, but um, we know that uh, John Deeble was uh, managing that, uh, and now he's not. Um, mm-hmm. That can be a little de- destabling for the for the players. Um, do we have a short list of coaches and are you at liberty to be able to, um, I know obviously you probably named him already, but the announcement hasn't been made, but uh, are you able to um, uh, let us know some of the guys that could be considered for that position? Um, yeah, there's there's a whole range of guys that have, um, you know, like managed in the ABL and uh, being junior coaches and managed programs and all of those things. So, you know, we're fortunate that we've got a short list of guys who, you know, are quite capable. Um, I won't go ahead and name him. I, I don't want to steal <laughs> potentially the marketing um, people in Baseball Australia's thunder, but, you know, can confirm that it's uh, an ABL manager who's um, had quite a bit of success throughout the ABL. Well handled, uh, well handled. <laughs> yes, yeah, so who's, who's, you know, really, really excited to take up the challenge. So, um, yeah, Deves, Deves is an excellent manager, um, you know, great manager of people, and, and I play for Deves, and, you know, I consider him one of the best managers that I've ever played for. Um, you know, like considering... Um, you know, taking into professional baseball and, and everything into account. You know, he's he's excellent at what he does, and um, yeah, if, for his scouting purposes, he's you know pulled out, but he's still going to be in Japan and and you know definitely heavily involved in the program and, and driving it. Because uh, when push comes to shove, the kids that are coming through the MLB AAP program and heading off to college and. Um, heading off to professional baseball are the guys that we're going to be reliant on um, in the future to drive our senior national team and, and you know, hopefully help get our world ranking back up there and, and increase funding and, and help us deliver more programs for more players. Well, oh, the, the camp this year moved to a new location to Surface Paradise. You've uh, Firstly, how has that location suited the program? And, mm-hmm. and you've also had a number of international players come in. I see there's around 75 in total young mm-hmm. young athletes there, some from New Zealand, some from China. But how has the location suited the program this year? Oh, it's been excellent. Um, you know, we were very spoiled, obviously, with the Palmetto's um, complex just because it was right 
next to where we stay here at, at the McEwa. But um, you know, getting up every day in the morning, having some breakfast, walking down to the ballpark is, is a pretty good experience, but it doesn't really replicate what happens in professional baseball um, or college. You, you have to get on the bus. You have to make sure that you're there. So adding that element in has, has been something different from the players and and you're giving them the responsibility to make sure that they're there and, and on the bus on time. If they miss the bus, then they've got to find their way to the field. And, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's just like professional baseball. If you're not there right on time, the bus just leaves and, and you're left standing out there wondering where everyone is. So it's added that responsibility for the players, which I think is excellent. Um, the complex at Surface Paradise is, is really, really nice. They've done a great job there. Um, it's got a great atmosphere. There's two really good fields that we, we work out on. Uh, at, they've just finished the cages. They've got two excellent uh, brand new batting cages that we, we um, cracked open yesterday, and and you know we didn't, didn't smash it with champagne or anything, but it was exciting to get in there and and take some swings in there. So the complex is, is brilliant. Surface Paradise Baseball Club has been uh, really good to us, and I think the the you know the facilities that the facility improvement that they're getting is is something that will be great for their local team and, and hopefully players up here in Queensland. Beautiful. Now, Glenn. So with our under-18 team going away to Japan this month, what are our chances? Uh, who are our likely outstanding prospects? And uh, is there anyone missing from the squad that uh, ideally that we could uh, would be ideal having? Yeah, it's, um, we, we've, we're shaping up pretty well up here. We've got um, some, some pretty good young starting pitchers. Um, that are that are vying for spots. The team will, will probably be finalised and announced before Team Canada comes in and plays an eight-game series against us. So uh, we're looking at just just over a week for that. So everyone's starting to, to come into contention. But there's some young pitchers um, like Max Barrett, Alex Wells, um, Hendrickson, uh, LJ McDonald. There's a bunch of guys who are throwing the ball really, really well up here. Um, you know, to name a few. I'm, there's a fair few that are still doing well, and, and hopefully the parents aren't listening. <laughs> I've left them. We're out not live. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's doing doing great, and, and it's you know going to be a difficult difficult team to be able to pick. Uh, Lachlan Wells um, is someone who will be joining us in Japan. He's pitching currently with the Minnesota Twins and doing an excellent job in the Gulf Coast League. So to think that that our number one starter is going to come in with you know like a, a, a probably ten professional starts under his belt. Yeah, great. Um, you know to take on um, Mexico in game one. Uh, which will be a, a must-win game for us. We play Brazil in the second game, which is must-win. And uh, it's one of those things where if you get three wins out of five in the first thing, then you can go into the second round, and that pretty much places you in, in sixth position. So for us, the world rankings, um, teams around the world get the opportunity to be able to play friendly games and, and different things, and they've been gaining um, IBAF points. So uh, for us being so remote down here, there's... Um, limited opportunities for us to be able to gain those world rankings outside of international competition. And, you know, when our kids, uh, you know, a lot of our kids will step off the plane in Japan and that's the first experience that some of them have had of playing baseball outside of Australia and you're facing <laughs> Japanese players who, um, you know, are outstanding, the best of, of Team USA. They're picking, you know, they're sweeping our squad out of 75 players and I think they whittle it down from about four or 5,000 over in the States. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're still got a long way to go in international competition, but um, our guys are primed and, and ready to go, and we'll do the best we can to try and get into the second round. If we can do that, that would be an excellent result. And from there, Lachlan Wells will be backed up, and all the guys who... who first round and hopefully help us get those wins will be backed up and um, we'll give it a real shake in the second round if we can do that. Glenn, I do know that uh, one of the areas that you, you've helped with Baseball Australia's 
the Australian Baseball Alumni is an area that is uh, we're really sort of pushing hard to improve, which will help with funding of the young players travelling overseas and to the various tournaments around the world. Uh, I believe there's a, an auction will be going up uh, soon online at the Australian Baseball Alumni. Check the website out. There's a lot of interesting stories and or great things to uh, purchase. But I believe there's a, a number of things that can be auctioned, you can be uh, buy, buy via auction there on the Australian Baseball Alumni. Yeah, we're, um, I mean, it's always a challenge. We, you know, talked about funding and, you know, one, one way that, um, that we can do that if we play better internationally and, and, you know, if we can play international teams and get wins, we get points. And, you know, hopefully that gets us into the Premier 12. Um, that's the aim, and, and there's some more funding there from Australian Sports Commission and, and the Olympics and, and everything there. So it's a little bit up in the air, but, you know, from our end at the alumni, Brett Ward um, has been really driving it. I'm, I'm fortunate to be on the committee with um, Brett McDonald, Bill O'Sullivan and Mark Marino. Um, Kings, who does an excellent job of, of writing all of our articles and, and, you know, promoting the game. So from our end, we want to do what we can. Um, you know, we're, we're a bunch of baseball tragics that have been involved in the game. The game's been very, very, very good to us. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who love baseball. And, and it's not about, you know, having a chance to have played and gone to America and do all those other things. It's people who've enjoyed baseball and, and you know, just want to be able to give back to the sport that's, that, that's given them things. And, um, you know, from our end, if we can raise as much money as we can, that, that goes directly back into kind of national team programs and, you know, any programs that, that help the kids out. So we, we managed to give each of the players that went to the New Zealand qualifier about $300 each um, in January, which is great. And, you know, the kids this year will probably be up for another 2500 or so to go to Japan and represent their country. So from our end, we want to try and do what we can to, um, you know, chip in and, and make that burden a little less. So, yeah, we run auctions and memberships and all those kind of things. So Graham Lloyd has always been excellent with us. Um, you know, I had dinner with Lloydie last night and he gave me some nameplates from Old Timers Day so that he goes to every year. And um, David Cohn, who threw a perfect game for the Yankees, is in there. Cecil Fielder, Ken Griffey, uh, Ron Guidry and, and a host of others that have signed their name placards that sit in front of their lockers. Uh, for Old Timers Day, so they're pretty unique. I don't think that they there'd be too many of those getting around. So um, they'll go up on the the eBay site shortly, and um, and we'll advertise those those through the website. So if you're a Yankees fan or a, a one of fan or one of those players, get on there and, and bid, and all the money will go to help the kids um, try and go over there and win a world championship. Awesome, uh, Glenn. Thanks very much for that. Uh, people can go to Australian Baseball Alumni to check out the auctions. Uh, we'll be online there up shortly. Um, more importantly, mate, all the best with this under-18 tournament, the World Cup coming up. Uh, I believe it's August 28th. The tournament gets underway in Japan, so we'll be following the fortunes closely over there. But all the best with a new position at Baseball Australia, mate, and thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, JC. Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.